0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI Podcast episode, I talk with Core HRIR in India about effective data driven approaches to managing employee performance.
1: Good evening, everyone, and a very warm welcome to all of you. I am Jyoti Sharma, your host for the day. In an endeavor to continue with our legacy of learning, we have come up with our 12th learning weekday webinar. So we are going full house on weekdays as well now. I genuinely appreciate all of you who took time out for this journey of knowledge sharing, especially on a weekday. Our thought leader for today is Mr. Jonathan H. Westover. And he'll be empowering us through his insights on the topic, Managing Employee Performance, HR Analytics, and Employee Assessment. Uh, before we start with the webinar, a little bit about the core HR IR team. Uh, we are uh, specifically a group of 1,000 plus HR professionals who are uh, connected with each other through a string of knowledge, our endeavor Uh, is specifically to share knowledge uh, with each other to learn and to grow together. In a short span of time, we have come up with various initiatives, uh, you know, through which we have been connected uh, with HR professionals who are based out of various locations globally and uh, uh, overseas, uh, India as well as globally. Uh, We have uh, HR leaders and CHROs from Fortune 500 companies And together, we aim at fostering and nurturing long-term relationships, wherein we all uh, grow through each other's insights in our personal and professional lives. Uh, Since our very inception, we have come up with initiatives that play a catalyst role in grooming leaders for tomorrow through uh, learning and sharing today through our experts. We have WhatsApp interactive platform where all the HR professionals network, Collaborate and share their expertise with each other. The next initiative is the Learning Weekend webinar, wherein, uh, and today being our 12th session, uh, you know, and we have our uh, thought leaders and experts who share their insights with us. Then we have our Chai Buddy series, wherein all HR professionals meet face to face, discuss new ideas, initiatives, industry practices, and the latest trends. Another initiative is the Job Board, which is essentially to provide all HR professionals with career opportunities in HR globally. Our next initiative is the Shining HR Award, which aims to felicitate outstanding and deserving HR professionals. So we are all in all trying to be an all-inclusive group that aims to augment and take human resource development to the next level. Moving back uh, to our much-awaited session, uh, and I can promise that you'll stay glued to the webinar. Such is an aura of our speaker and thought leader for today, Mr. Jonathan H. Westover. He is a PhD, Masters in Public Administration. He's a Senior Fellowship of Higher Education Academy, a CIPD. He's also an Associate Professor of Organization Leadership in Woodbury School of Business. He's a director of academic service learning and center of social impact. He was previously the associate director of uh, of the Center of Study of Ethics. He's a human capital leadership and performance management consultant as well. He was recently a Fulbright scholar in Indonesia. He's a POSCO fellow at East West Center, Washington. He's also a visiting scholar at Wilson Center In fact, uh, there's a lot more to his accolades and I could spend the next entire one hour speaking about him. Uh, But yes, he's definitely somebody, you know, who's uh, very famous in the media. His articles have been published in academic journals, books, magazines like Wall Street Journal, Washington Post and USA Today. Um, A little bit about myself. I'm Jyoti Sharma. I have 12 years of experience in HR. I'm currently working with British High Commission and I've previously worked with companies like British Council, Aon Hewitt and IBM. So moving back to our webinar, our topic for today is managing employee performance, HR analytics and employee assessment. So without uh, wasting any more time, um, I would uh, you know, request Mr. Jonathan to take it over from here.
0: Okay, wonderful. Thank you for the introduction.
1: Yes, John,
0: over to you. Okay. And uh, for just a few minutes, I thought we could um, have me on video so you can get a chance to see and and know, put a face with a name. Uh, And then in a few minutes, we'll we'll go back to the prepared slide deck uh, so that you can see the slides as I talk through the different topics and issues. Um, But I do appreciate the invitation to join you. And I appreciate the introduction. It was a very kind introduction. Uh, HR is certainly an area that I love and have uh, continued to, to do a lot of work in, and I think the topic today is something both of uh, increasing relevance and importance, uh, but also just a really fun and fascinating topic to be able to explore. Uh, I saw many of the questions that were submitted uh, by those who registered for this webinar in advance and there are many really interesting questions, uh, far more questions than I think we'll have an opportunity to really address uh, today. Um, But I do hope that we'll have a good amount of time uh, to do some Q&A at the end. Uh, So my intention is to take the next uh, 35 minutes or so um, to talk through the slide deck and, and some of my thoughts on some of these issues. And then we'll take the remaining time for questions. Uh, with that, if we can go ahead and put up the the slides again and we'll, we'll start working our way through those. All right, and if you can go to the agenda slide, please. <clears throat> This lays out uh, what I hope to cover with you. This is a rather ambitious agenda. uh, And I'm not sure we'll actually have time for all of this. uh, But, but the materials are in the slides. And uh, I believe the slides will be shared with all registered. um, So even if we don't get a chance to get to everything that you'll have a chance uh, to look through and think through some of the different uh, materials. So first, I wanted to provide a little bit more of a personal introduction um, beyond just um, credentials and and, uh, education and such. Um, And then we'll move uh, directly into looking at the context for HR analytics and employee assessment, because I think we have a changing nature of work um, and we have disruptive innovations and technologies that are influencing HR and how we'll be doing our work in the future. And so it's important to consider the environment in which we'll be doing performance management and uh, various assessments of employees in the future. So we'll start there. Uh, then we'll talk for a little bit, just laying the, the, the uh, groundwork for people analytics and then uh, get into performance evaluation systems, completing and conducting the appraisal and training managers and employees. And again, those last couple bullets, we may or may not actually have time to get to uh, but that's all right. And uh, uh, I think uh, I'll, I'll at least talk to them briefly if, if if we don't have time to get to them more thoroughly. Uh, so if we can go to the next slide, uh, a little bit more uh, about myself and some of my recent work uh, for anyone who might be interested. So just recently, I think this came out maybe two months ago, um, but I had a SHRM article uh, on the SHRM, on the Society for Human Resource Management, uh, uh, magazine website uh, on uh, the future of work, and looking at uh, a variety of books uh, that explore the future of work. Uh, so it's basically my top five list of uh, books that are must reads um, by CHROs and other uh, other HR professionals about what um, will what work will look like. In the coming decades, uh, and I think that's a, a pretty relevant thing for all of us, all of us to be considering. Um, I, I have a new book that just came out back in October: Shifting Trajectories and Globalization, Labor, and the Transformation of Work. Uh, this was about a ten-year project um, that culminated in in this book publication with uh, some. I I, I believe uh, in, including academic research that will. Uh, help us understand and frame uh, where we've come over the last 50 years in terms of the nature of work uh, and how globalization and, and innovation has transformed that, um, but also thoughts and ideas of where we might be going into the future. Uh, and then just, I, I thought I would offer it out there as a free resource to everybody. Um, I, I've, I you know, my home, uh, my main job, my main gig here is, at my home university at Utah Valley University. And that's where I am today. That's the office I'm sitting in right now. And you can see in the background when when I was on the screen. Um, And one of my initiatives has been to try to get away from expensive textbooks for our students. And so I've created a series of open education resource textbooks that are completely free. And uh, so one of them you see up here is strategic human resource management. It's basically an introductory human resource management textbook. Uh, it's completely free. You can get the PDF for free uh, or you can order off of Amazon uh, a very cheap um, co- print copy of it. That's just cost, uh, you know, cost of printing and shipping. Um, so if anyone is interested in that kind of a resource, uh, that's free and available to you, uh, as well as some of the other uh, materials that I've done. And I've, I've published a lot uh, in academic journals and other areas um, related to international uh, employee engagement, worker satisfaction, um, uh, the changing nature of work and all those types of topics. So um, I I would be happy to talk with any of you offline after this webinar about some of my work or some of your work, what you're doing. Uh, Perhaps there's opportunities to collaborate. Uh, I'd be open to all of those uh, sorts of opportunities. All right, if we can go to the next slide, please. So I thought I'd start today with just a basic quote. This is something you've probably heard before, uh, but I think it's particularly relevant. So Peter Drucker has uh, famously been known to say, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Uh, and, and that's when we talk about people analytics, we talk about performance management, we're constantly trying to think about what are the right measures for, um, and how do those measures and how does the act of measuring those things, how does that influence an employee um, attitudes, behaviors, and performance? Uh, and so I, I provide that quote just as a, a foundational piece for what we're going to talk about this morning. Oh, I apologize. It's morning for me. It's evening for you. Um, talk about this evening. And uh, and if we can always just remember how how truly difficult it can really be to... Choose the right measures um, so that we're aligning our performance management systems with our company, our desired um, oh. vision, mission, company culture, all of those sorts of things so that we're in alignment. That's that's the main point, and that's what we're, we're driving for when we're, we're trying to have positive uh, employee performance management. If we can go to the next slide, please. So I thought... That we could um, talk for a few minutes about the changing trajectories of work, um, because it it lays the the groundwork for what we're looking at, at into the future. Now, of course, nobody has a crystal ball. We don't we don't actually know, you know, what work will look like in ten years or twenty years or thirty years. But what we do have are trends, and we we can see patterns, and we can see what's been happening over the last fifty years, and we can see Uh, the exponential growth in certain um, high-tech areas and and types of technology and innovations. And so we can can consider the possibilities of what might happen into the future. Uh, So I thought it would be worthwhile to talk through that a little bit. And of course, over the last 50 years, what have we seen? We've seen globalization. We've seen an increasing interconnectedness of of the global economy. We've seen... uh, products and services moving from uh, having, you know, take automobiles, for example, back when automobiles became were were new on the scene, you had really just a, a few options. But over time, and particularly over the last four, 50, 40 or 50 years, what we've seen in pretty much all markets and in all types of um, product categories is uh, that consumer demand for variation and unique types of products that serve specific purposes for them. And so that's driven uh, a hyper-competitiveness in the global economy that's, that's triggered um, you know, the, the need for organizations who want to remain relevant and successful, to be responsive and adaptive to the increasingly nuanced consumer demand, to provide uh, a, a wide variety of products and services with a huge variety uh, of looks and feels so you know, for for example, today when you think about automobiles, uh, you know, how many different uh, makes and models and variations in terms of color and style and uh, special features, you know, that's that's pretty typical now of most products, product offerings that are out there on the market today, uh, and and that's meant a lot of change for work. Um, we've also seen because of technology. Uh, we, we've seen a, a shift from a largely industrial sector in the in the kind of modern Western world to uh, a more service-oriented economy. Uh, so lots of uh, financial uh, service jobs, uh, lots of tech service jobs, um, those sorts of things. And so, whereas 50 years ago, several generations back, my my grandfather uh, might have gone to work out of high school and worked at a factory or worked in, you know at one job for the, the the course of his career moving up over time. And we just know that over time that that model has gone away um, in the Western world. And increasingly in the global south we see um, similar changes happening. Uh, we've seen tremendous changes just over the last decade in the industrial sector of, of the Chinese economy, for example, and in Southeast Asia. And so I think we're seeing similar types of things happening globally, that uh, that the types of work that people are performing and the way that they perform it uh, has always been in flux and always been shifting. And the nature and the rapidity of that shift has only been increasing um, in recent decades. So that gets us kind of to the present day. And then we're trying to think about, well, what does this mean for our future? If we can go to the next slide, I thought I would just share briefly some, uh, of the thoughts that came out of last January's world economic forum. Uh, there's a particular panel of global, uh, leaders, uh, business leaders that, that explored the global business context and what they expect to see in the coming decade. And, uh, so he, you see on the screen here a, a picture of the panelists uh, that were included, um, and and I tried to distill. It's it's probably an hour and a half long panel. It's really interesting. You can go look it up and watch the whole thing. Um, but I tried to to, to distill down um, some of the main points that they were trying to to hit home, um, and these are points that were made repeatedly by pretty much everyone on the panel. Um, and again, try try to keep in mind. What this means for the future of work, uh, the future of HR, uh, the future of HR technologies, and how that intersects with uh, performance management of our of our people. So they see in the coming decades a movement from a linear setup, an organizational structure, to more of a lattice connected framework, where organizations and, and employees that are currently set up in more of a hierarchical structure with divisions that'll become more the, the matrix approach to organizational design will become more common. There'll be more of a latticed approach and you'll have interconnected functions. And so, you know, I, rather than being siloed in a marketing division doing marketing stuff over time, those individuals likely will have to be cross trained and, and have the ability to do tasks across a range of different types of professional um, duties. Uh, so this is a, this is a, a, a world of work where employees are doing all activities at all times. In this new environment, these these global leaders see the leader as a necessary challenger. Uh, that that gone will be the days of a leader to maintain the status quo because of the hyper competitive nature of the global economy. And that only seems to ramp up faster and faster that if you want organizations to be successful, you have to be a leader. You have to have a leader in that organization or you have to be that leader who will constantly be challenging the status quo, who will constantly be pushing the envelope, be pushing innovation, who will assume challenge and disruption in the industry and with the products and services that are being provided in the nature of work itself and the nature of the employees that do the the work of the organization, that we need leaders as challengers uh, and disruptors. And that's kind of flies in the face of traditional models of leadership. Um, Now, certainly there's always been a push in recent decades for strategic leadership and to be thinking forward uh, and forecasting and all those sorts of things. Um, but but they're arguing for something uh, a little bit more dramatic than that. They're arguing for someone who really can push the organization out of their comfort zone, uh, challenging uh, all preconceived notions and pushing forward. They also talked repeatedly about a push towards a reskilling agenda within companies to create value uh, because the, 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 the war, in the battle to get good good workers in the, the fight for labor, but that's gonna become intensified. Uh, I don't know what the, the current uh, unemployment rate is where you are uh, located currently, but in the United States it's really low and it's actually too low in most places, uh, particularly in higher um, high tech, uh, higher skilled and higher education types of jobs. And so we don't have enough people that are actually available, looking, actively looking for jobs. And What that means is there's a real fight for talent. Um, And we can't assume that we're always just going to be able to go out and find new good people to come into the organization. So we have to be able to uh, attract good people, retain those good people, and then find ways to reskill them, um, that we can encourage lifelong learning and help help all of our people constantly be reinventing themselves as employees and as in what they do the, the daily tasks that they're responsible for and the types of skills that are utilized on a day-to-day basis. They also of course talked about the displacement of jobs. So there's the the famous Price Waterhouse Cooper um, report that came out a couple years ago that projects that 40% of jobs will be replaced or displaced in the next 15 years. Now that's a little crazy to think about, right? Forty percent of all current jobs being replaced or displaced. Um, now, will that actually happen? Of course, we don't know if that'll actually happen, uh, but we've seen some trajectory that way already. And we know over the over the course of the industrial revolution um, that this has always occurred, right? We we uh, anytime there's been new innovations, anytime there's been new technologies, we've replaced jobs. Um, we've automated jobs, and that will continue to happen. Um, now, that doesn't mean that everyone's jobs will go away, but that does mean that we'll have new jobs, that we'll have different types of jobs that we probably can't even conceive of right now and in the next couple of decades. So new new professions, new industries, uh, or new, new types of work uh, across industries will emerge, uh, and and organizations will be ha- have to be super agile to be able to to respond to that need for that kind of talent. Um, We won't be able to rely just on universities to train people because universities tend to lag a little bit in in how they they upskill the future workforce. Um, It's gonna be a large responsibility on organizations to to help their people to do that so that they can uh, have a strong human capital that will help them be successful. Um, along with that, the hunt for talent in a robotic and automated economy. They argued that pretty much all companies in the future will be tech companies in some way, in some fashion, uh, from retail to to uh, food to uh, certainly existing tech companies. And every everything will have such a strong interface with how technologies utilize and artificial intelligence and robotics and all these things that. Uh, that will simply have to know how to do technology well, and we'll have to have a high level of technology skill set across types of employees. So, uh, for example, I you know I, I direct our HR program here uh, at my home university. Um, you know we teach all of the normal HR courses and 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 try to prepare our students. But in recent years, we've added courses in human resource information systems and HR. Um, people analytics and other technology driven HR types of functions and increasingly what I expect is that every single student that we graduate out of our program that they will even if they want to be a trainer uh, or they want to be an organizational development development consultant um, those traditionally haven't been areas of HR that require a high level of, of tech capacity or, or skill set right but in the future everyone, Every HR person, really every person within an organization that's a high functioning organization will have to have tech skills and they'll have to be held accountable for for developing those tech skills. Uh, so that's that's an interesting thing to think about as we try to to figure out how to prepare for the future. Uh, and then, of course, we have the shifting geopolitical landscape, the rise of China and India, the global south. Um, the, the 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 global order is changing, you know things are shifting. Um, it's not, you know, it's not Cold War, Cold War era Russia versus uh, the, the USSR versus the U.S. Uh, kind of dynamic anymore. That's long gone. And and so this this means that we can't take for granted old structures and systems. We can't uh, take for granted uh, the way things have been done in the past. Uh, that makes it really difficult to forecast. That makes it really difficult to um to really plan strategically, but we have to give it our best shot. If we can go to the next slide, please. Um, So here you can see, uh, we don't have time to go through this in great detail, but I thought it's a useful uh, graphic uh, to show you how um, different elements are leading to the changing landscape. So when we think about the future of work, we have all these different components uh, we have the underlying drivers of the the change in the future of work. Those influence economic structures that that influences labor displacement, and that then creates the emerging landscape. Uh, so, for example, if we own, if we just look at the blue underlying drivers for just a second, and we think about, for example, the in, the uh, connectivity issue, the globalized access to everything, the internet, um, the democratization of information. Um, The fact that we are doing what we're doing right now where there's people from all over the globe at different in different time zones meeting synchronously at the same time, seamlessly using a very basic free technology uh, that we can interact and share knowledge with each other. Uh, That's a perfect example of of connectivity. And that's only increasing uh, and that's increased tremendously even over the last decade. Machine capabilities, artificial intelligence. We'll talk more about that. Um, Demographic shifts. aging um, the aging workforce Uh, And this this is an issue in many many countries not uh, certainly in the US it is uh, and in other places like Japan and there's many places where it's a serious concern but globally there's demographic concerns about um, the aging workforce and skills gaps in the workforce those sorts of things and there's simply the shifting cultural values and social expectations that are shifting over time as well. Uh, And so the nature of our social interactions in the workplace are changing. Anyways, all of that then feeds into shifting economic structures, globalization. Uh, We then move into labor displacement. I talked a little bit about that. Ultimately, we find ourselves in a situation where we we have a new emerging landscape of high-performance organizations and international markets uh, where education is, is open and available to all Again, the democratization of of, uh, uh, information that's curated in such a way that that people can gain uh, and improve their skill sets through stackable stackable credentials and, and things like that. All of this is shifting the nature of higher education. It's shifting the nature of the workplace. If we can go to the next slide. So really quickly to not get bogged down in this too much, but I thought I would, we could talk for just a few minutes about some of the, uh, the technologies that are gonna be shifting uh, labor markets. Uh, and maybe I'll just pick a couple of these. Uh, I think all of them are super interesting and we could probably spend hours just on this slide talking through examples of all of these different types of technologies and labor markets that are associated with them. Uh, but let's let's take, for example, quantum entanglement. Um, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the idea of quantum entanglement. Uh, it's a super fascinating development We're basically, and this is not my field of research by any means. Um, so I, I, you know, I have a layman's understanding of the technology, but in China recently uh, scientists in China uh, at the university of science and technology of China were able to uh, to at the molecular level, make a change uh, in a, in a um, in a cell, and simultaneously that same change showed up across the globe in another cell. So they had connected these cells at the quantum level and then separated them across the globe, and then made it change to one and it showed up immediately simultaneously in the other. So that's the idea of quantum entanglement if we can if we can um, connect things, at the quantum level, then it creates instantaneous communication channels that doesn't require radio waves. It doesn't require Wi-Fi. It doesn't require um, cell networks. It just is. It just is connected. So you can imagine a world, I mean, we're nowhere close to this yet, but you can imagine in another 10, 20 years, a world where instead of everyone having a cell phone that requires us to pay expensive contracts, where we're we're, um, getting cell service and cell companies that are that are uh, putting up cell towers and constantly trying to upgrade to the next newest um, cell technologies that we all have basically quantum communicators that can so we can communicate with anyone, anywhere at any time with, with quantum level connectivity. That's a completely disruptive type of technology uh, that would have tremendous implications for many, many market labor markets, uh, as well as you know, all sorts of markets, right? Um, it's it's just fascinating to even just kind of stop and think about it. Um, so that's that's one example. Uh, virtual presence. You know, uh, we we've long had the uh, the uh, we've had um, virtual reality. We've had um, augmented reality. Those have been around for a while. We've had we've had um, holograms those sorts of things and they thought that those technologies would continue to get better and better but imagine as virtual presence technology becomes uh, improved and as the price goes down that you could have instead of having a Google hangout webinar like this where people log in and they watch a live stream on youtube or on H- google hangout or whatever imagine in 10 years that we could all be virtually sitting in the same room together having this conversation where it felt like and seemed like we were all in the same place Uh, that's what virtual presence is so it's not holograms that look like holograms but it's actually the ability for us to look and feel like we're actually interacting with each other this is the stuff of sci-fi right and it seems a little crazy but it's it's on the horizon and it's it's really not that far away and that's that becomes a game changer when we're talking about global travel, for example. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit. Well, you know there's tons that has been said about blockchain um, that's out there that you can read about. Uh, let's talk about, uh, we'll just end on this slide talking a little bit about artificial intelligence and machine learning. Uh, with the, incre- the, the just the exponential increase in uh, processing power of computers, along with the, uh, the, the, the rapid drop in the cost and expense of storage space. Uh, what we've seen is just the, the exponential rise in computing capacity, uh, which fuels this artificial intelligence and machine learning. And so we already have many examples um, where this is being utilized in industry uh, that's already started to displace jobs um, and also change the consumer experience. Uh, one thing that I've experienced personally on many occasions is just going, trying to get customer support on a product or service. And so I go to the website, and what happens nowadays, what happens pretty quickly when you go to a website and you want customer support, usually there's a chat box that comes up, right? This little this little chat box comes up and someone's on there and they say, hey, how can I help you? This is my name and I'm I'm going to try to assist you. Now, historically when that's happened, that there's been a person behind that somewhere, uh, just like we've had call centers um, that have supported customer support. We've also had centers where you have people on their computers um, supporting those dialogue boxes. Well, now we're we're getting better and better at having chatbots that are driven through uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning. So there's no actual person there. And I don't know how often I go onto websites and it's actually a person or if it's actually just AI, um, I often can't tell the difference Uh, but either way they're they're helping me right they're helping me solve whatever problem I need to solve Uh, and you can see how that has uh, all sorts of implications for disruption of labor markets moving into the future now again we could go on and on and on on this slide alone just talking about all the implications of these different types of emerging disruptive technologies Um, but I think I've made the point sufficiently that that uh, with all of these emerging um, technologies, the nature of work is simply not going to be what it is today uh, in the coming years and decades. If we can go to the next slide, uh, please. Okay, so here um, I I grabbed 10 trends, 10 HR trends in the age of artificial intelligence. This is from Jan Meister um, in her article on Forbes. And I'm not going to take the time to talk through all 10 of these, uh, but I thought it might be useful to at least highlight a couple of them um, to, to again, as we're trying to think about the landscape. And I want us to start shifting now and thinking about what this actually really means for uh, performance management. Okay, Um, So let's, you know, number one, AI plus human intelligence enhances the candidate experience. Um, Now, certainly I'm, I'm of the opinion that AI is not going to, take over it's not going to be um, the rise of the machines it's you know it's not going to be Skynet like in the Terminator I don't think but um, but AI and and machine learning in conjunction with human intelligence is really truly going to transform the way organizations function and I'm excited about that because I think it'll it'll enhance our capacities and what we're, we're able to get done and the speed at which we're going to be able to get it done. Uh, number four, I've already mentioned this a little bit, but the new the new jobs that will be created uh, because of this, we ha- and and let me put a point on this, we have already a fairly hard time doing a good job with performance management with jobs that have been around for forever, right? For for 50, 100 years, uh, jobs that have been around for as long as any of us have been alive, we most organizations kind of struggle with. Uh, performance management even of those jobs that we have a lot of experience with now imagine new emerging slate of jobs that that come out of this this disruptive technology and our and organizations response to it now trying to figure out how to assess performance in those jobs in a meaningful way is going to increasingly become a a challenge uh, for organizations Um, so and maybe uh, go to number 10, HR call to action, preparing for the future of work. I think it is a team sport. So so we have a range of people on this webinar from CHROs to uh, other HR directors or HR practitioners. I think it's really important to get the best heads together in your organizations now to start to think through uh, the possible implications of these types of disruptive technologies, not just for performance management, but for all aspects of your labor Um engagement uh, in the workforce. All right, if we can move to the next slide, please. So to, to put a little bit a finer point on it with a few questions, um, some strategic HR considerations. What are the core competencies of organizations that are prepared for these technological disruptions? What does this mean for HR budgets and technical footprints? And what is the role and the importance of people analytics within the organizations of the future? And obviously these are questions that need to be discussed, debated, explored, but I'll tell you, my opinion uh, is that we're going to have a new emerging set of competencies, some of which we can kind of think about now, but some of which we just don't don't even have any clue uh, about what they are yet as these technological disruptions continue to emerge and take hold. Uh, So we have to be very constantly vigilant about thinking about what those core competencies are. Um, Additionally, what does this mean for HR budgets and technical footprints? I think it, it means we have to be very actively um, investing in these technologies, uh, period. And if we're not, we're going to lag. And if we get behind the ball when it comes to implementation and integration of AI into our HR systems, then we're going to have a really hard time playing catch up in the future. What is the future role and importance of people analytics? Uh, it's, it's how artificial intelligence thrives, right, is data, big data. The the more data it has, the better it functions. And organizations have so much data on on all sorts of things within the organization, including people. So many organizations have so much people data that they never actually even utilize in a meaningful way. And so investing in people analytics, not just the systems to do it, but also the the people and the software that can analyze it, make sense of the outputs, uh, and then, Use that in a meaningful way to implement improved performance plans is so vitally crucial uh, for organizations of the future. All right, next slide, please. So some of the types, you know, I tried to think about what, how do we break down people analytics? So some of the different types of people analytics: workforce planning analytics, talent sourcing analytics, talent acquisition and hiring analytics, onboarding and engagement analytics employee lifetime value and performance management analytics, talent and retention analytics, employee wellness, health and safety analytics. And I'm sure if we had an open dialogue right now, we could probably come up with a bunch more categories. Um, but the, these are the ones that kind of popped out, you know, as I was thinking about this. Um, so we have all these different types of data that a lot of organizations already have when we just aren't utilizing it well. And that will become even more important as we move into the future. So for the, For the next, hmm, we're running a little bit short on time, let me maybe in the next uh, five to seven minutes um, talk a little bit more specifically about the uh, performance management analytics stuff and then we'll end and we'll have questions uh, for the remainder of the time. So if we can go to the next slide. Um, you, You all know this, I don't think this is rocket science, performance evaluation systems. The, the fact that it's a systematic approach to examining employee performance, uh, with four reasons why we want to try to have a systematic uh, performance evaluation. The evaluation process should encourage positive performance and behavior. It can also be used as a tool to develop employees. It can provide a basis for, for promotions, raises, um, provide justification for uh, disciplinary actions or other legal types of actions. And it's a way to satisfy employee curiosity. Uh, and there, I'm sure there's more uh, that we could say, but those four alone are certainly justification to, have, to try to have good performance uh, systems. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.